Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. Well, welcome to Kit Talk, the powerhouse of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus, and together we'll journey forth getting to know Jesus and his many friends. I hope you and your kiddos will join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Our Bible stories are from Taylor's Bible Story Book. And periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to look into the death and resurrection of Jesus, the King, And after facing much opposition for his teachings, Jesus is betrayed by Judas. He was denied by the disciples, crucified, and he died. Three days later, he rises from the dead and appears to the disciples, confirming that he is indeed king over life and death. The long-awaited king has brought in his kingdom, but it is different than expected, for he reigns in our hearts until the day he comes again to establish a new and perfect world. So today, we're going to explore just how the Easter story takes shape. And really, there's more to Easter than eggs, chocolate, bunnies, as you're going to find out. So are you ready? Good. Let's get started. And we're going to go back in time to the first communion service. And this was really important because it's the day that the Passover finally came. And this was a national Jewish holiday to celebrate the night so long before when the Israel's had escaped from Egypt. The angel of death had killed all of the oldest boys in each Egyptian family that night, but he had passed over the houses where there was lamb's blood on the door. It was because the angel passed over them that the celebration was called the Passover. And each year during the Passover celebration, Every Israeli family took a lamb to the temple and killed it as a sacrifice before the altar. Then the priest burned its fat on the altar, but the rest of the lamb was taken home where it was roasted. And the family ate it that night, just as the Israelites had done so many hundreds of years before when they left Egypt. The disciples asked Jesus where they should go to roast and eat the lamb, since Jesus had no home in Jerusalem, or anywhere else for that matter. Go into Jerusalem, he told them, and as you enter the city, you'll see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he's going and say to the man who lives there, the master wants you to show us the room you prepared for us. He will take you upstairs to a large room all set up for you. Prepare the lamb there for that is where we will eat it. And the disciples did as Jesus said. And sure enough, they met a man with a pitcher and he took them to the room Jesus had told them about. 
There they prepared the lamb. In the evening, Jesus arrived with his other apostles, and they all sat down for the supper. I've wanted very much to eat this Passover supper with you. Before I die, he told them, for I will not again eat a lamb that's been sacrificed until I myself am sacrificed for the sins of the people. But the apostles didn't understand him. They didn't know what he was talking about. They still thought that he was going to become the king of the Jews and that the time for this was very near. They began arguing among themselves as they had before as to which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. Then Jesus told them, here in this world, the rulers and the wealthy are the greatest, but with you, it's different. For whichever of you is the humblest will be the greatest. The one who wants to be the leader must be the servant of all. Then Jesus asked them which was greater, the master who ate at the table or the servant who waited on him. As he ate, they said it was the master. Then Jesus pointed out to them that he was their servant, even though he was their master, and they should serve each other as he had served them. Then he demonstrated what he meant. He got up from the table, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash their feet and to wipe them with the towel. When he came to Peter, Peter didn't want him to do it, for he didn't want Jesus to act like his servant. Jesus told him, you don't understand now why I'm doing it, but you will later. No, Peter told him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I don't, you can't be my disciple. Then, Lord, don't wash just my feet, but my hands and my head too, Peter exclaimed. But Jesus told him, when you've had a bath, it's only necessary to rewash the feet. After he had washed their feet and returned to the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and that is correct, for I am. If I, then your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. For you should follow my example. You should do as I have done to you. He meant that we should help each other at all times. As they ate the Passover supper, Jesus said to them, One of you sitting here eating with me will betray me. He meant that one of his disciples would tell the Jewish leaders where he was so that they could come and arrest him when the people weren't around to protect him from them. The disciples were very much surprised and sad when they heard this. They looked at each other, wondering which one he was talking about. Peter motioned to the disciple sitting next to Jesus to find out who it was that Jesus meant. So he asked Jesus, Lord, who is it who will do such a terrible thing? It is the one I give this piece of bread to when I've dipped it in the dish, Jesus replied. And then he gave it to Judas Iscariot. After that, Satan entered into Judas and Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew what Jesus meant by these words. Some of them thought he was telling Judas to go and buy things they needed or else to go and give something to the poor. Then Judas went out into the night. After he was gone, Jesus said to them, I will be with you only a little while longer before I leave you. I want to give you this 
new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for each other. As they were eating, Jesus took a small loaf of bread and blessed it and broke it apart and gave it to his disciples to eat. This is my body broken for you, he told them. He meant that his body was soon to be broken and crucified on the cross as a sacrifice to God for them. Then he thanked God for the wine and gave it to them and they all drank some of it. This wine, he said, is my blood given to God so that he will forgive your sins. For soon his own blood would flow like the blood from the sacrifices at the altar. Then he told his disciples to meet together often after he was gone, and when they came together, they should eat some bread and drink some wine, as they had just done to remember him until he returns. This was the first Lord's Supper or communion service, or the breaking of bread as we sometimes call it. One of the reasons for doing this is to make us think of how our Savior was punished on the cross for our sins, and we repent of those sins and determine not to do them again, and we ask the Lord to help us. As Jesus and his disciples were sitting there at the supper table, Jesus told them not to be sad about his being taken away from them. He was going to go to heaven, he said, to prepare homes for them. Afterwards, he would come back again and take all of us who love Jesus to our new home up there with him. Then he looked up to heaven and prayed for his disciples and for all those who would believe in him. Afterwards, he prayed that they would be kept from sin and would love one another. So now we're going to come into the story of how Jesus is arrested. Jesus and his apostles now sang a hymn together and went out to the Mount of Olives, which was a short distance from Jerusalem. There they went into a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. Sit here while I go and pray, Jesus told them. Then he went a little distance away, kneeled down and prayed. And now he began to be in terrible anguish as he thought about being punished for our sins. That's yours and mine and separated from God. For he knew that in a few hours he would be crucified. Great drops of blood fell like sweat from his forehead to the ground. Then an angel came to help him. When he got up from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Asleep, he asked. Get up and pray so that you'll not be tempted to do wrong. Then he went away and prayed again. When he came back, he found them sleeping again. He went away a third time. And when he returned and they were asleep again, he told them, Get up now, for my betrayer is is near. Judas had been watching when Jesus went to the garden. Because it was night and because only a few of his followers were with him, Judas decided that this was the best time to betray his master. So he went to the Jewish government officials and told them that Jesus was alone with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. They sent a gang of men with Judas to capture Jesus. Judas was bringing the men to the garden now, and Jesus knew it, but he didn't run. He waited for them to come because it was the time for him to die. While he was still talking with his disciples, Judas and the others arrived carrying swords and clubs and lanterns. He said, the one I kiss on the cheek 
Is the man you want, Judas told them. Grab him and don't let him get away. So Judas came up to Jesus pretending to be his friend and greeted him with a kiss on the cheek, as is still the custom in eastern lands when men meet. Then the men grabbed Jesus and held him. Lord, shall we use the sword? The disciples cried out, and Peter drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword away, Jesus told him. Don't you realize that I could pray to my father to send thousands of angels to fight for me and save me from death? But then how could the words of the prophets come true, which say that I'm to die for the people? Then Jesus touched the man's ear and healed it. Turning to the men holding him, he asked, Why the swords and clubs? If I'm a thief, why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. Then all the disciples left him and ran away into the night. Jesus was the first to be taken to Caphias, who was the high priest that year. All the Jewish government officials soon gathered at the high priest's palace, and Jesus was brought before them. Peter had followed Jesus a long way off, hoping no one would recognize him. So now he too came along to the palace and sat down among the palace servants beside a fire they had built in the courtyard because it was cold. A servant girl came over to him and said, You were with Jesus of Galilee. Peter strongly denied it and said, It wasn't so. Then he went out onto the porch. Just then he heard a rooster crow. Another servant girl saw him there and said to the others who were standing around, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. I don't even know the man, he said. After a while, one of the servants of the high priest, who was a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter denied it again, and just then he heard the rooster crow the second time, and Jesus turned around and looked at Peter. Suddenly, Peter remembered Jesus' words, before the rooster crows twice, you'll say three times that you don't even know me, and he went out and cried bitterly. The high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and about what he was teaching the people. Why do you ask, Jesus replied. You already know what I teach, for you've listened to me in the temple. Nothing I teach is a secret. One of the police officers hit him in the face for saying this. Is that the way you talk to the high priest, he shouted? Should you strike a man for telling the truth, Jesus asked him. So now... We go further into the story and we see insults to the Son of God. Early the next morning, the men who had arrested Jesus brought him before the Jewish Supreme Court. There, the Jewish officials tried to get people to tell lies about Jesus, but no two of them could keep their stories straight. At last, two false witnesses came who declared, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple and build it again in three days. Then the high priest said, I demand that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered, I am, and I tell you this, that you will see me sitting at the right hand of God and coming back to earth again in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, We don't need any more witnesses. You yourselves have heard the wicked thing he said, that he is the Son of God. What should his punishment be? And everyone shouted, kill him. And then they spat in his face, mocked him, 
And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him. Tell us, you Christ, who hit you, they laughed. Now they tied him up and the entire Supreme Court led him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. This man tells the Jews to rebel against the Romans, they lied. He tells them not to pay taxes to the emperor and says he's the king of the Jews. Are you a king? Pilate asked him. Yes, Jesus replied, but my kingdom is not of this world. For if it were, my servants would fight to save me. Then Pilate went out and told the court, I find nothing wrong with this man. But they were even more fierce and yelled everywhere he goes. He starts riots against the government all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. When Pilate heard them speak of Galilee, he decided that since Jesus came from there, he would send him to Herod, the governor of Galilee, for Herod was in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was glad for the opportunity of seeing Jesus. He had long wanted to, having heard so much about him, and he hoped to see Jesus do a miracle for him. Herod asked Jesus many questions, but Jesus remained silent as the high priests and other Jewish leaders bitterly accused him of many sins. Herod and his soldiers now made fun of Jesus and mocked him, putting a royal purple robe on him because he had said he was a king. Afterwards, Herod sent him back to Pilate again. Then Pilate called together the Jewish leaders and said to them, You have accused this man of starting riots, but I find him not guilty. Herod has also found him innocent. There is no reason at all to talk about giving him the death penalty. Now every year during the Passover, if any of the Jews were in prison for disobeying the Romans, the Roman governor used to set one of them free, and he let the Jews say which prisoner it should be. He did this to please them and to make them more willing to let him rule over them. At this time, a Jew named Barabbas was in prison for murder. The people now began shouting to the governor to do as he had always done before and set one of the prisoners free. Which one, Pilate asked, Barabbas or Jesus? While Pilate was speaking with them, his wife sent this message to him. Don't harm that innocent man. I had a terrible nightmare about him last night. The high priest now persuaded the mob to demand the release of Barabbas. Then what shall I do with Jesus, Pilate asked, and everyone shouted, crucify him. But why? What has he done wrong, Pilate asked. Crucify him, crucify him, they yelled. When Pilate saw that he couldn't persuade them to ask him to free Jesus, he took some water, washed his hands while all the people watched, and he said, don't ever blame me for this innocent man's death. Then all the Jews answered, let the blame be on us and on our children. But Pilate, by washing his hands, didn't rid himself of the blame, for he knew Jesus was innocent, but afraid that if he offended the Jews, they might want someone else other than him to be their governor, and he would lose his job. That is why he gave Jesus to them to crucify him. Before the Romans would crucify anyone, they would whip him. He was stripped to the waist. His hands were bound to a low post or pillar in front of him so as to make him stoop forward. And while he stood in this way, he was cruelly beaten with rods or whips until his back was red with blood and open wounds. So now Pilate told his soldiers to whip Jesus in this way. 
Afterwards, Pilate's soldiers made fun of him just as Herod's soldiers had. They put a purple robe on him, placed a crown of thorns upon his head. Then they bowed before him, pretending he was their king and shouted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and struck him on the head with a stick. Next, Jesus is killed. Pilate still hoped the Jewish Supreme Court would finally let Jesus go. So he spoke to them again. Once more, I tell you that I find no fault in him, he said. Then he brought Jesus out to them wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. But when the Jewish leaders saw him, they shouted again, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves then and crucify him, for I find no fault in him, Pilate told them. The Jewish leaders answered, By our law, he ought to die because he says he's son of God, the son of God. And the Pilate was even more afraid to put Jesus to death. Where were you born? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no reply. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you know that I have power to crucify you and power to let you go? You can only do what God will let you do, Jesus answered. From that time, Pilate tried to set him free. But Caesar, the emperor of Rome, was a jealous and cruel man, and Pilate feared him. When the Jews saw that Pilate wanted to set Jesus free, they screamed out, You're no friend of Caesar's if you free a man who claims he's a king. How will Caesar like that? What do you think he'll do to you? Then Pilate was afraid to let Jesus go for fear the Jewish leaders would tell Caesar. So he gave Jesus to them to be crucified. Then Judas Iscariot, the disciple who had betrayed Jesus, was afraid because of what he had done and brought back to the Jewish leaders the 30 pieces of silver they had paid to him for telling them where Jesus was. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed an innocent man. So what? They said, that's your worry. Then Judas threw down the 30 pieces of silver on the temple floor and went away and hanged himself and died. The chief priest picked up the money and said it's against the law to put it into the treasury at the temple. They said for it was paid for betraying a man to his death. So they used the money to buy a field where foreigners would be buried, who died while visiting in Jerusalem. Then the soldiers took the purple robe from Jesus and gave him his own clothes again and led him away to die. Jesus had to carry the heavy wooden cross up a hill outside the city. And when he stumbled, they made a man carry it whose name was Simon, who was coming in from the country. A crowd followed him out to Skull Hill or Mount Calvary, just outside the city gates where he was to die. There they nailed his hands and feet to the cross and crucified him. Yet in his agony, he prayed for them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, he pleaded. He meant that they didn't know how great their sin was in killing the Son of God, or how fearful their punishment would be. Then they gave him a mixture of gall and vinegar to drink. This was given to people who were crucified so that they wouldn't feel their awful pain quite so much. But when Jesus had tasted it, he wouldn't drink it, for he was deliberately suffering those pains for all of us. They crucified two thieves with him, one on his right and one on his left. People who were crucified did not die suddenly. They lived in terrible pain for many hours, sometimes hanging on the cross for days before they died. Jesus was crucified in the morning, but hanging 
hung in agony until the afternoon, while the soldiers who had crucified him sat down and watched him there. They took his clothes, divided them up among themselves, and threw dice for his coat. Pilate told the soldiers to place this sign on the cross above Jesus' head, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. These words were read by many, for the place where he was crucified was near the city. The people passing by felt no pity for him, but mocked him, saying, If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. And one of the thieves who was crucified with him said, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus told him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus meant that the sins of the thief were forgiven. As soon as he died, even that very day, his real self would go on to a happy place where Jesus was going. Jesus' mother and his disciple John were standing near the cross while Jesus died. Jesus saw them standing there and asked John to take care of his mother since he was going to die and leave her. From that hour, John took her to his own home and cared for her just as though she was his own mother. From 12 o'clock noon until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was darkness over all the land. God sent the darkness because his son was being killed by wicked men. About 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said this because God seemed to have turned away from him. And it was true, for God had turned away from our sins for which Jesus was dying. When one of the men standing there heard his cry, he ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine and held it up on a stick to Jesus's mouth so that he could drink it. Jesus tasted it and then cried out, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he died. At that moment, the curtain which hung in the temple in front of the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook, breaking great rocks. And many people who loved the Lord came back to life. And when Jesus rose from the dead three days later, they came out of the tombs and walked into Jerusalem and were seen by many of their friends. When the Roman soldiers who were watching Jesus saw how he died, they were terrified. And one of them said, surely this man was the son of God. And now on Easter that we celebrate on the Sunday, Jesus comes alive again. The Jewish leaders didn't want Jesus and the two robbers to be hanging on the cross the next day, for it was the Sabbath. So they asked Pilate to tell the soldiers to kill them there on their crosses so that their bodies could be taken down and buried that day. Pilate agreed and told the soldiers to break their legs because this would make them die more quickly. So the soldiers broke the legs of the two thieves. But when they saw that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his legs, but instead they pierced his side with a spear, making blood and water flow out. There was a garden near the place where Jesus was crucified, and in the garden there was a new burial place, a cave carved out of rock. It belonged to a rich man named Joseph. 
Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, though he had never told anyone for fear of what people would say. But now after Jesus was dead, he went boldly to Pilate and begged for Jesus's body. And Pilate said he could take it down and bury it. So Joseph took Jesus's body down from the cross, wrapped it in a new cloth he had bought and laid it in the cave and rolled a huge stone across the door. Meanwhile, the Jewish leaders went to Pilate and said, Sir, while that liar was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. Please place a guard for the next three days at the cave where he's buried so that his disciples can't come in the night and steal his body and then tell everyone he's come back to life. So Pilate agreed, and soldiers were sent over to guard the cave so no one could get in and steal Jesus' body. But during the night, the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled back the stone from the cave and set upon it. His face was as bright as lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The soldiers trembled for fear and became as weak and helpless as dead men. Then they ran to the city terrified. Early the next morning, as it was getting light, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Salome came to the tomb bringing spices to embalm him. This is to help keep his body from changing to dust. But how can we ever roll away the stone from the door of the cave, they were wondering, for it's very heavy. But when they got there, the stone was pushed aside. They went into the cave and there was an angel in a long white robe. They were badly frightened, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Are you looking for Jesus? He isn't here. He's come back to life again. See, that is where his body lay. Now go and tell his disciples that he is alive again and that he will meet them in Galilee. The women ran from the cave in great fear and yet with great gladness and went to tell his disciples what had happened. But as they were running, Jesus met them. Hello there, he greeted them. They came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Don't be afraid, he said, but tell my brothers, my disciples, including Peter, to go to Galilee, for I will meet them there. When the women told the disciples what the angel had said, Peter and John ran to the cave to see for themselves. John got there first and stooped down and looked in and saw the linen sheet lying there, the one Joseph had wrapped around Jesus' body. But he didn't go inside. Then Peter arrived and went right in. So then John went in too. And they finally realized that Jesus had come back to life again. Before that, they hadn't understood what he meant when he told them that he would be alive again in three days after he died. Meanwhile, some of the guards reported to the Jewish leaders what had happened during the night. The Jewish leaders gave them money to get them to lie about what happened and to say that his disciples had come during the night while they were asleep and had stolen Jesus's body. How would the guards know what happened when they were asleep? If the governor hears about it and wants to kill you for sleeping, for soldiers were killed if they slept on duty, we'll persuade him to pardon you, they promised. So the soldiers took the money and said that Jewish leaders told them to. But of course, it was a lie, for they had not been asleep at all. And so, kiddos, next time we are going to talk about Jesus' return to heaven. 
and knowing that you are God's children. And one day when you're really, really old, God's going to want you to come and live with him. If this is what you want to, then tell God you're sorry for anything you may have done that he would not have wanted you to do. Maybe you listened to the wrong friends. Perhaps you allowed peer pressure to be your decision maker. Whatever it is, simply say sorry and really mean it. And God will accept your apology. Then all you have to do is ask God to live in your heart. This way he's always with you and your mistakes have been forgiven. And finally, tell God that you believe his son Jesus died on the cross for you. And you appreciate and understand the Easter story. Good Friday happened on Friday and then all was quiet while he was in the tomb on Saturday. And he was raised back to life, resurrected on Sunday. So kids, this is being born again spiritually. You may need an adult to help you with this concept and that's okay. Just know that what you did by asking Jesus to be with you in your heart and cleaning up any of your past mistakes is something you will never be sorry for. So congratulations. And when you have the opportunity to read, pick up some of the Bible stories that Jesus shares. You'll never have a dull moment again. And kids know that Jesus loves you and so do I. God bless you. And now we're going to close in prayer. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special kid talk like this one airs on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We'll delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure to like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And many of my podcasts do reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. If you know anyone who may be interested in supporting this material, please share a copy with them too. Until next time, be blessed.